IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. Listen! What is up, Super Ninfrendos? It is Nintendo Voice Chat, episode 593, the real episode 593. This time, not that fake one from last week. I am your host, Seth Macy. I am joined by industry legend, Kat Bailey. Hello, Seth. Hello. Good to see you. <laughs> Pear Schneider. <laughs> that, was, that was funny. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. And in the froggy chair this week, we have special guest, Dan Reichert. Hey, that's me. How's it going, everyone? Wonderful. Very excited to have you on. We have an exciting episode because we're talking about the secret best games coming to Nintendo Switch in 2022. But first... Mario Kart 9, they said it couldn't be done, and now it's real. According to a report from, or excuse me, a quote from Dr. S- I, uh, I don't know how to properly say his first name, so forgive me. Serkan Toto? Serkan Toto. Serkan Toto, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Mario Kart 9 is in active development, and it has a twist. My question is, what do we think that that twist might be? Daniel, My worry is that... I, my worry would be that it's some sort of like hardware gimmick or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm all for like when they would do things like, oh, you're going upside down and, uh, you know, we've got these new bumpers and the glider and going underwater and stuff like that. But that's kind of been in the last several of them. I just hope it's not some weird motion gimmick or Joy-Con contraption or something like that. Uh, or the fact that the sensor. twist is like, yeah, yeah exactly. Ooh. Or, oh, it's a mobile game again. Like, I hope it's just like, it's a straightforward Mario Kart for the Switch, and there's something about the racing element that is new that we haven't thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, every, every one of the, I know, any of the mainline games had a twist, and then obviously we just had uh, a game that incorporated uh, remote control cars as a, as a hardware feature, and that was obviously not a mainline game. I figure it's going to be something like the dual card setup um, that we saw, you know, with with Double Dash, like some right. sort of gameplay changing element where it's not just you're banking all these items. There's some other kind of element that that at least adds over the last one. We've talked on the show a bunch about what the next Mario Kart could be, and you know, I I kind of think that after Super Smash Brothers Ultimate did such a good job, kind of combining all the the series staples, all the all the characters, all the stages that they would go with a Mario Kart Ultimate because that's easiest to do. I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's you don't have to inv- reinvent the the game. But um, it'd be cool to see something original. Yeah, Kat, do you, have any- do you think that you know they kind of open the? Sorry about that. Uh, do you think they kind of open the door to Link and like outside of the Mushroom Kingdom canon? You know, do you think we do more of a Smash Brothers thing where we could have third parties or Splatoon characters? Well, actually, they. They did, yeah. Characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like outside <laughs> yeah. of the typical, like, do we blow that idea out more? I mean, that's what people were talking about on Twitter. Super Crash, uh, what was it? Super Crash Brothers? <laughs> or That's good. Nintendo Kart. I, I like Super Crash Brothers better, yeah, but good. Nintendo Kart would be a lot of fun because that would offer a lot of opportunities rather than just going with straight Mario Kart, especially if you played to the personalities of the individual characters more like, you know, having special abilities for say link or the split, the, the Octolings or whomever. 
Yeah, he throws his sword instead of just having banana peels and, and bombs and all that. But like they, you know, they obviously dabbled with this. They got Splatoon in there. They got Animal Crossing in there. They've got F Zero, right? Like one of the few life signs mm. of F Zero was in in Mario Kart. And like lots of people think that we haven't gotten a, a new F Zero because this game already has the kind of hover um, card stuff and, and the, the crazy Most loops people are and all wrong that. and they should stop. Saying yeah, that. no, well, come on. We got to get one. We're going to will it yeah. into existence. Remember, but like I, the one thing that I'm wondering about, like could Mario Kart be core to the Nintendo online strategy and what they've done with stuff like Tetris 99 is they've incorporated their other themes into it. Right. And with Splatoon, they dabbled with the theme battles. Mario Kart would be the franchise to do that with where, yeah. Maybe every month you have, you know, one month is Zelda month in Mario Kart and like it adds the characters and abilities or something like that would actually give Nintendo online an identity and something for people to look forward to rather so than a what demo. you're saying in is uh, the twist is you have to have a Nintendo online subscription <laughs> yeah. for, for the themed stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure, yes. sure. Or maybe more structured months and tournaments and things like that. Like, didn't they play with that with Mario Tennis Aces a little bit where it's like, okay, like these ranks reset every month. I forgot what it was exactly, but it was more kind of structured. Here's the standings for this month, you know, or we yep. could do a themed month. Like you said, Pierre, you know, things like that. Because yep. they I had tournaments really, in the last couple. It, it just, did, you know, yeah. it was never that surface. You had to kind of like go into the menus to find it and set it up and everything. I think it's really optimistic to assume that Nintendo would ever emphasize online <laughs> with Mario Kart, which is True. not uh, traditionally uh, online has been a fan based initiative going all the way back to Warp Pipe back on the GameCube. And I don't think that would change, honestly, with Mario Kart 9, because despite it's almost like Nintendo's doing Nintendo Switch online grudgingly yeah. i think they would rather do local play party play and it's worked out for them mario kart 8 is one of the best selling i think it's the best selling game in the entire series despite the fact that actually the online is pretty bad in mario yeah. kart 8 it's so. the best selling racing game of all time mm-hmm. but you know i I th- I think times times are changing to a degree that even Nintendo isn't ignoring, right? And like Fortnite happened a few years ago, and obviously it kind of proves the staying power of a game that constantly adds new kind of crossover content and new ideas. And like you know, it's a top-grossing game that is literally free. Um, and so I, I don't think that passes Nintendo by. And then there's the focus of, you know, Xbox really providing value with Game Pass. Sony's going to follow suit. Nintendo up the price of Nintendo Online. <laughs> I, I feel like they're at a point where when they get together, uh, you know, for their fiscal year planning, one of the big OKRs, their big objectives for the year is subscription revenue from users who play continuously online is what that means, right? And like, how do you make that happen? <sighs> N64 games, that's not, that doesn't have the broad appeal of online play, competitive play. And they've got Splatoon and Mario Kart to, to kind of, you know, nudge that more. Is there any world where you think Mario Kart is not free to play, but if you have Switch online, uh, you, can, you can play it for free and buy cosmetics? Or, or car parts, things like that. Yeah. Loot, loot, loot boxes. I, I, Dan, I think somebody with a calculator sat down and tried to figure that one out because, I mean, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe made so much money. Being but a re-release, right? Making so much money. Yeah, and like for that to go free to play, the subscription dollars really have to really have yeah. to be there for that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We all know. 
that uh, they're not at the moment, but that's okay. I real quick, I want to say my twist or what I think the twist is going to be. Uh, if you die in Mario Kart, you die in real life. It's going to be <laughs> good one. Super intense. Hideo Kojima's Mario Kart. Yes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me thinking about having uh, have Metal Gear Solid levels in Mario Kart. Actually, that I, when be- you were talking about third party stuff, I was literally thinking of Revol- Revolver Ocelot piloting like a Metal Gear Ray oh, through a course. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it, that's just the Sega and Sonic All Stars thing, though, right? Where it's yeah. like you're yeah. Shinmu and yeah. Well. Mario Kart now we know it's in, well we don't know but there are credible rumors that it is in development I don't think that's a surprise but this is sort of the first real rumor that we've heard about it who knows what the twist will be leave your comments below but Mario Kart 9 it's real everybody we've been talking about it for the entire time that Mario Kart 8 has been around but let's talk about the secret best games that are coming to the Nintendo Switch in 2022. Last year, we talked about the five hottest games. And then, you know, and then the comments were all, well, what about this game? Well, what about that game? Look, we can't talk about all of the games at once. We have to portion it out. You, you get sick and you'll have to go to bed with a tummy ache. But tonight, or today rather, we're going to be talking about the secret best games coming. I want to give a shout out to a game I am most excited for, which is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's mm. Revenge. Because uh, if you see behind me here, there's a arcade one-up four-player Nintendo, or excuse me, Ninja Turtle cabinet. I love Ninja Turtles. I might have been arguably a little too old when the Ninja Turtles hit. I was in seventh grade, and all the fourth and fifth graders at my school were really into Ninja, Tur- Ninja Turtles. And me also <laughs> was into Ninja Turtles, but I don't care. So this is the game I am most looking forward to. This is by the makers of, uh, oh God, I'm forgetting the name of it uh paladin oh i reviewed it and everything it's a very great game I'll... panzer paladin panzer paladin this is by tricky yeah, games yeah and i absolutely loved that game and this game looks like it's going to bring that same amount of charm uh it just looks like you're gonna it's like my dream come true it's like you're playing a, a saturday morning cartoon even though this was technically a syndicated after school <laughs> cartoon um yeah i'm very excited give me give me more ninja turtles in my life especially the old school 80s ones oh look at those graphics Looks oh, good. Mm. Put you on the spot. What's the best Turtles arcade game? The best Turtles arcade game? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Turtles in Time, I would say. But that's also the best. I would say that's the best. Yeah, and, and as far as nostalgia, I definitely have that T2, the arcade game. I had the NES version, but I always when played it the at the skating game, rink. Do you mean the SNES game, or do you mean the actual arcade well, game? Well, there was uh, the arcade game Turtles, was just... <laughs> Turtles 4 on the SNES is not just better than the arcade game. It's probably one of the two or three best beat-em-ups ever made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. It was just because uh, they had to call it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game on NES, right? Because it was just called Turtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the arcade, but they had the Konami one with the swimming on NES first, so that had oh, to be the sequel, right? Man, <laughs> that game was brutal. That game was underrated, awesome. I think. Yeah, were we talking totally. about this before, Seth? I got, where you yeah, said we, that you got all the way to Shredder. It. I got all the way to Shredder, and my each That's one of my incredible. turtles had one slice of life left, and I, was, I never beat the game. Yeah, no, that game... I, I think it's perfectly rated. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just love that you get to play as April in this new beat em up. That's, that opens up so many possibilities in terms yeah. of the of characters that you can end up picking. Yeah. What's her power? Does she have like a gun? No, no. She has her, <laughs> her microphone. And oh, she answered the microphone? Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's not enough just, uh, yellow jumpsuited people in video games. So that's awesome. I'm trying to think. I, I go to the Simpsons one when I think of that era. And then Marge had the vacuum. Homer just had his fist. What did Lisa have? She didn't like she use the saxophone or anything, did she? 
Ah, uh, yes. Lisa had the jump rope, and Bart had the skateboard. You're right. You're right. Lisa yeah. was Lisa a somewhat ill-defined character, so they're like, I don't know. She likes horses. She's right. a girl. Yes. She has a, a early jump Simpsons. Rope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's another great game, but that one's not coming. Next up, we have Metal Slug Tactics. Would anyone like to speak to Metal Slug Tactics, who can pronounce yeah. it better than I can? Cat, please. I uh, I interviewed the developers, and you should oh. go read my interview from last year. Suffice it to say, I'm really excited about Metal Slug Tactics. It looks like kind of a bite-sized tactics game, maybe in the vein of Into the Breach, where you're going through these maps very quickly. And I'm glad, actually, because... So I I really want to quickly go back to classic Fire Emblem. I think I was playing Fire Emblem 6 on the GBA recently. And my first thought was, these maps are actually a little too long. Um, They're not holding my attention as much as I would kind of want them to. So I'm really excited that Metal Slug Tactics is taking this kind of more of a bite-sized approach. But more to the point, it looks extremely faithful to the actual oh, series. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love the the way that they've managed to capture the look and feel of the pixel art from the original Metal Slug, which honestly is, they're still some of the best looking 2D oh, sprite yeah. games ever made. So Metal Slug Tactics, I think... It hasn't been getting a ton of attention, in part because we haven't seen a lot of it. But mm. I think it's has huge potential to be on my top ten list at the end of the year. Oh wow! Yeah, and you know, as an Advance Wars fan, I I always loved the the me- mechanical units in the Metal Slug franchise. Like they just have the craziest tanks. It's like tanks stacked on top of tanks with cannons on top of cannons, right? And so if they have the kind of weapons wheel where it's like, you know, air defense, missiles against flyers, that sort of stuff, this could be really fun. But yeah, it does seem like it's a little bit more, It's it might be in between Into the Breach and Advance Wars as a setup with maybe a little tactics over in there. And, and I think that's right for Metal Slug, a yep. series that was so arcadey in nature. Like you want it to be bite-sized, like an Into the Breach and not like a Final Fantasy Tactics with some in-depth job system or something. Mm-hmm. Like you want it more like this. Yeah, it does look absolutely wonderful. And I yep. generally, for the most part, steer away from tactics style games. But I'm going to give this one a shot, mostly because I agree. The sprite art in Metal Slug is like the most incredible probably ever in the history of sprite art. <laughs> Check out that book. I don't get paid by them, but uh, Bitmap Books, I always give them a shout out. They're Metal Slug. A lot of good sprite based games coming out this year, seemingly between Turtles and Metal Slug Tactics and things like that. Oh, yeah. And well, then the the next next game (laughs) is Sea of Stars, which is probably out of the um, all the ones that they showed at the Indie Direct. This was, I believe, this opened the show. And I was like, well, I don't need to see anything else because this is the Seth Macy game. And I want this in my life right now for a lot of different reasons, but probably the most superficial of which is it just looks so beautiful like the sprite art in this is incredible it looks like um uh, uh secret of mana in a you know a well with chrono like, yeah with like yeah. chrono influences and it's uh i think this comes out in the fall and that's forever from now and i can't wait that long and then i probably won't be able to review it because it'll be black friday and that is my all-consuming thing that i do in the fall but yeah is anyone else excited for sea of stars <laughs> Yeah, the the moment I saw it, I had exactly the same reaction. And I don't I don't want to get excited for new games because they look like old games. But I have such fond memories of of Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana as well. Although Secret of Mana doesn't it doesn't hold up right? Like the combat system, the action combat doesn't hold up as well as the turn based stuff from that era. And like this 
this is doing turn-based. It's got that, it's got that kind of micro overworld that classic 16-bit RPGs have, the kind of airship uh, sailing, all of that. So yeah, this this is hitting all the fields for me. And I really like the the sprite art too. Yeah. I gotta say, I typically if we're wasn't talking about Chrono a... oh, Trigger go. nostalgia, Mitsuda is involved as well. So we're gonna have a soundtrack that sounds a That's lot right. like it too. Yeah. Yeah, I never uh, really played a lot of JRPGs growing up. It wasn't until I started reviewing games and I would get stuff like, oh, here's Chrono Trigger on DS. And I'd realize like, oh, turns out I missed out on a whole awesome <laughs> genre here. So like Chrono Trigger specifically is the one that kind of like opened my eyes to what I was missing. And just looking at this, the sprite art for the bosses, the way the actual combat looks is kind of like laid out uh, like Chrono Trigger. I don't know if the, the do you know if the characters are going to play off each other the way that like, you know, they wouldn't with, you know, frog and stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think all we've seen of this has just was that uh, that reveal, right, from the the Nintendo Direct, the indie Direct. Yeah, right? yeah, so far this looks great. Hopefully, yeah. we find, and this is a, a prequel to The Messenger, which is another beautiful game that I haven't played. Really? Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I probably should get around. I wouldn't have guessed that no. looking at this. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see how that all plays out. Speaking of pixel art, once again, here we are, triangle <laughs> strategy. <laughs> That's the story of the Switch, right? It's the story of the Switch. And I don't care. Look, I'm 44 years old. I'm Tom Brady's age. This is all the stuff that I want in my life. I want to play games that I could have never dreamed of playing when I was a kid that they're just bigger in scope and in detail and everything. And then you've got Triangle Strategy, which looks like Octopath Traveler, which was one of my favorite games when it came out on the Switch. And I, I want to try this, even though, like I said, I'm not a big tactics sort of strategy type uh game player but well hopefully square's careful naming uh convention has convinced <laughs> you to give this one a, a try i don't think there's anything more exciting than the words triangle and strategy put together in trademark mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i'm look really looking forward to dodecahedron strategy <laughs> hey it worked for <laughs> octopath traveler it, yeah. They just loved it. They'll be like Project Octopath Traveler. And we're like, they'll surely they'll never keep that. Oh name my god! In. Like six months after that game came out, I think I was on the NVC Facebook group, and someone was like, "Oh, did you know Octopath is just the first letter of every character's name?" In the, and I was like, "I did not actually know that." <laughs> so I think that game gets a bad rap. That game's pretty solid. Octopath, yeah. the writing, Octopath the story, Traveler everything not the rap. best. A lot of people I yeah. know love it. I absolutely yeah, I, you know, I liked it a lot. My wife loves it, and uh, I just feel like a lot of people talk down on it, and they do. mainly because of the writing and the story and the way the characters don't really interact. But like, I thought the gameplay and the combat was oh. super snappy. Like, I, I was a fan. Yeah, I think so I think it's that the wordiness, right? Like we we are used to acted out cutscenes and kind of more of a of a movie like presentation. And sometimes you get a JRPG where the characters constantly ask each other if they understood what they just said, right? And like that sort of wordiness, I think, can be a turnoff, but you know, we, you can you can fast you can fast read fast forward. Yeah, that's. I mean, uh, it, I tell everybody it's because I'm a nerd, but I always switch the voice acting to Japanese so that way I don't feel bad when I skip through it because I'm like, well, I don't understand it anyway. So, <clears throat> but, yeah, yeah, it, it looks pr pretty. I really love this art style, and you yeah, know, we've said this before. Like, they should just make every <laughs> classic Final Fantasy game remake them like this. Well, the Dragon Warrior 2D 3D game is in this not engine but is in this style of course we don't have a, a solid release date for that but rumor is it's coming out this year I'm it makes me sad that advanced wars doesn't look like this the new advanced wars well, one and two that's, a, that's let's coming talk out? about advanced yeah. wars one and two reboot camp which was originally supposed to launch last fall but has been pushed into 2022 i 
think March or maybe April, but yeah. somebody can shout me out on that one. I think what, what you're getting with Ad Advance Wars, and obviously I'm the world's biggest Advance Wars fan uh, certified, uh, is I, th I think that this is just a test to see if there's still life in this franchise, right? Like it's very telling that we never got Andy or any of the other characters in Smash Brothers. Um, this is a classic Nintendo series that goes back to the original Famicom, right? Famicom Wars was the name. Um, and, you know, there, there were games that uh, we never got in the U.S. before this series arrived as Advance Wars on the, on the GBA. Um, I, you know, I don't mind that we're getting a straight remake as long as it looks and feels exactly like those two games. They, they're really, really good, as are many of the DS games as well. And um, if that leads to them taking it seriously and then, you know, redoing the visuals and really upgrading it for, uh, for, for the Switch, I, I think that that's a really positive thing. Well, I think it's almost in that F-Zero uh, camp of like, well, it's not officially dead, yeah. where it's like it's still referenced and there's characters and other games and assist trophies and things like that. But it's like, come on, when are we going to get like a new proper Advance Wars? You know, like yeah. was it the Wii was Battalion Wars? Was that the last yeah. like full on new one? That was a Kuju game that was to, to retool to be set in the Advance Wars <laughs> world, basically. So that was a co an original concept they had. And then they applied it to Advance Wars. Yeah. But um, it. no, it's been it's been you know since the DS days that we've uh, we, we haven't really gotten a, a proper classic Advance Wars strategy game like that. Now, if you've never played Advance Wars, it's Fire Emblem with all without all the Harry Pottering around and all the kind of like going to schools oh. and talking to friends and dating and all of that. That's Advance Wars is just the turn-based battles, but it still has that kind of Nintendo flair of funny characters, strange things happening, sometimes like weirdly out of place depressing world destroying like plot elements happening that are just cool. way way too dark for these games but um it, it's it's all that kind of like you know taking over um enemy cities and then being able to spend the extra money you make by taking over cities to produce new units and like these games are so fun because when you get to this tipping point where you've been bombarded by the enemy and you, you're fighting for survival and then suddenly you're making all these tanks and airplanes and all of that and you have this comeback moment, it just feels really good. Yeah. If they, yeah, I was kind of bummed when uh, when uh, GBA era is kind of when I started playing Fire Emblem mm -hmm. and uh, Advance Wars, and like I liked both of them a lot. I was fairly new to tactics, and I was like, oh, I think I really am into this type of game. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, okay, we're going to make ninety more Fire Emblem games, yeah. and they're all really fun <laughs> for the most part. But it's like uh, I kind of like I always liked the aesthetic of the the kind of like modernish military with like an anime flavor to it. I preferred that aesthetic than the kind of fantasy Fire Emblem stuff. And the music is really good. I mean. It, it, it really is a quality franchise, but it is a niche gameplay genre, right? And like Fire Emblem, RPGs are no longer niche. That's a that's a mainstream big genre. And Fire Emblem was, I think, able to succeed because it played to the strengths of the RPG elements and, and really expanded those. The classic Fire Emblem games are almost exactly like Advance Wars, only that they're named characters that die, right? That's the big difference. Advance Wars has units where if a tank gets blown up, you'll build a new one. They could expand on that. They could, you know, add the heroes into the into the mix in bigger ways. Sure. I was going to say, pair that if this is a test to see if the franchise is still alive, they might be a little disappointed because mm. it's not getting pushed very hard, and uh, it looks kind of like a budget release. It's being made by WayForward, who have done good work in the past, but yeah. it's going with that kind of basic two point five D 
look that makes it look eh, not amazing. Ultimately, it kind of depends on the gameplay, I suppose, and whether it hits all of the nostalgia beats. Uh, There was a famous quote, I think, from somebody at Intelligent Systems uh, where they were asked, so Advance Wars, like you've you've been doing a lot of Fire Emblem, why not Advance Wars? They're like, well, you can't make the tanks date. Okay, yeah. and that's <laughs> you can totally make the tanks. Not with that kind. Yeah. Of, no, you can make the you commander's can. date. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, but, hello. Well, I mean, I think I think probably Nintendo saw Wargroove succeeding on its platform. That yeah, is that is a, a Fire Emblem looking Advance Wars clone, right? And it's a really good game. We talked about it at length that we love it, but um, I think that did really well. And so, you know, they're probably saying we can't make this too big of an effort, but let's test the waters. And yeah, way forward is is trusty, yeah. trusted and competent. So yeah. I'm hoping it does well. And then we get this explosion we got with Fire Emblem, which is it's not going to happen. Like the military theme is not going to be as big as the medieval dating stuff. It's yeah, just not. I don't know that the dating tanks. I'm pretty excited about that, actually. Uh, now that Cab Ke- brought, brought it up, I think. Yeah. I'm all in. That's good. They're going to have like the face touching thing, but you can just like rub the barrel of the tank. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I'm shipping the helicopters with the tanks. You know? <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, this one pair put on the list, Far Changing Tides, which is the sequel to Far Loan Sales, neither of which I have a lot of knowledge of. So, Pear, I ask you, please tell us yeah. why. Well, far far loan sales. Um, t- I think Tom Marks uh, turned many of us onto it um, when when he, he recommended it on the Switch. Yeah, it it was a, a game that wasn't on my radar. It's literally it's an adventure game where it's all about getting this this big sailing something. It's not a sailboat. Like get this this craft to move forward, and it's basically kind of puzzle uh, gameplay where you have to clear a way for it. You have to figure out how to power it. That sort of stuff and. It was a very, it's a kind of slow paced game. And I don't mean slow in, in like the bad sense. It's just not a game where you shoot and, you know, with a lot of action. It's all about, it's, it's like classic point and click adventure games, but you actually control your character. Um, and this sequel, we don't know a lot about it yet. We just know that it's, you know, the same kind of concept um, of, of, you know, clearing a path to travel farther. And you can see it in the, in the gameplay footage. If you're watching the video version of NVC here, that there's a lot more exploration that kind of leads away from your, your craft to, to do stuff and discover stuff and then possibly uncover more about the story. So it's a really unique game. Like, honestly, I can't think of another game that's exactly like it, which is why it should be on the list. Well, now I'm going to have to check this one out. Yep. Kat, uh, Dan, you have anything either one of you like to add? I think that pretty much anything that's not Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be underrated this year <laughs> or a secret yeah. best game. Like they just announced the release date for Kirby, and I'm sure we'll get to that in just a yes. hot second. But it's probably the most ambitious Kirby game you've seen in a long time. But it's going to be overshadowed by Breath of the Wild too, because oh, that's yeah. where all the hype is. A hundred percent. I know next year when we're doing like the game of the year discussions, everyone's going to be like, "Kirby came out this year? Oh my god, mm-hmm. I can't believe that." Well, too bad it's not on any of our lists anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dan, you got anything? Just seeing these, just seeing these underwater craft on a Nintendo podcast reminded me that Steel Diver exists. Oh man, oh. where did that go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Giles Gard- Goddard. <laughs> Underrated game on the 3DS, honestly. I, I actually kind of liked it. 
was, it was a launch game, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a launch game for the it 3DS. Was. I remember going to a 3DS event in New York City uh, before it came out and Reggie pushing Steel Diver way harder than anything else. And I was like, this is <laughs> this is the one you're leading with? The submarine game? But I never played too much of it, but it, it was well, all right. What else Ken? was there going to be on the 3DS? I mean, there was the oh, Rainbow launched. Six Street game Fighter. that was a tactics RPG. <laughs> yeah, Street Fighter 4. Uh, yeah. Um, Pilot Wings. Still Tekken? Steel Steel Diver had the same problem that Pilot Wings has, where it's like people people care about characters more than they care about vehicles and crafts, right? And it's like I there is a there's a really cool concept. Like I love the control, the idea behind uh, controlling the the submarines, all that. I'm a big submarine fan, but I can't imagine them ever going back to this one unless it's part of something bigger, you know? Yeah. Like right. steal everything. Here's an airplane, and <laughs> you know, Advance Wars like Cinematic Universe with Brothers Steel Diver. Forever. Yeah, and the airplane can date the submarine. Oh yeah, God. there you go. Yeah. Crossover. Mm-hmm. Well, I always considered it the spiritual successor to Silent Service for the NES, which is a game <laughs> oh. I used to love. Or Hunt for Red too. October. Hunt for. I never played the Hunt for Red October game. It was for the Game Boy game. It oh, was man. surprisingly good. I would have not guessed that, but I have to take your word for it because you're. You made me feel so old. I had, I had silent service on an Atari home computer. Oh wow! Mm. I actually never knew that it was that it existed outside of the NES. I thought it was oh. one of those ultra games that Konami snuck in there to get a couple extra extra titles on the NES. But yeah, there's no silent service game. We're talking about games that are secretly the best games, like Outer wilds which is one of those games that everyone's like you should play outer wilds and i always mess it up and think it's that other game outer wings or whatever world outer outer world, world, yeah. wings. i always get it i knew it was a w but yeah uh, outer wilds is coming to the uh the nintendo switch yep. and i have not played it so this might be my first chance to play it out yeah outer- my game of the year oh there wow. you go. Uh, 2019 right yeah loved it yeah did you want to talk a little bit more about it like obviously yeah, outer worlds is the fallout like RPG in Outer I know, Wilds I is, a, is an adventure I can't game, right? Make them make sense in my head. I just can't. I'm because they came out like the same, like it was around right. the same year. I think it was the same year, yeah. and it sounds like the same game. Uh, Outer Worlds was fine. Outer Wilds was like I've never had a game experience like it in my life. No and kid. it's like when people ask if you could like erase your memory of a game and play it for the first time. Like I don't think I would pick Link to the Past or Mario World, which oh. you know I consider it to be like my favorite games of all time. Like sure, that'd be great. But there's nothing inherently about the way those games are structured like the way Outer Wilds is. Outer Wilds, you can't really replay it. If I were to pick it up right now for the first time in a few years and try to go through the main, like not the DLC stuff, I would still kind of know most of the secrets. Remember like, oh, right, I got to go here and do this. It was the discovery element and kind of that water cooler element of like several people were playing at the same time. Be like, wait, wait, have you gone to this planet? Did you figure this thing out? And Oh, I had a totally different thing there. It, It is the key, like, don't read anything about it. Don't uh, oh, ask anyone about it. Like Seth, if you haven't played it, don't no. look up a single thing. Perfect. Yeah. Stop Stop watching uh, now. But just know yeah. it's an adventure <laughs> game and you have to kind of, you have to puzzle together things and learn lore and there's a time element. I'm a big lore fan, it turns mm-hmm. out. 
But it's not it's not like it's stopping you frequently. Like it is teaching you everything as you play it. It's never like stop and like listen. Like it's the opposite of like the Halo Infinite thing where you're just watching a, a hologram talk for, you know, 10 minutes. It's like <laughs> you're you're reading, you're finding notes of this ancient civilization and you're kind of putting it together in this log and you are kind of getting the picture of what happened at your own pace in your own order. Uh it's it it's not linear in any way and it's just so fun seeing this like it's kind of like one of those cork boards with all the red string, you know, like cool. there's actually a thing on your ship that basically is one of those. And you're like, oh, wait, I think I realized after reading about what happens on this planet, I wonder if that affects this planet. And then you go investigate this stuff and you feel like a genius when you figure this stuff out. It's so, so I good. need that in my life. <laughs> I mean, for feeling Check it really out. Numb. All right. Excellent. Kat, do you have any thoughts on Outer Wilds? It's a really elaborate puzzle solving game. One of the, in terms of structure, uh, really clever. I love the open-ended nature uh, of the puzzle solving. And I think it kind of made us rethink that particular genre of game. And Damn. I think I'm Why very excited to play, play it on Nintendo Switch. It's a perfect Switch game. Ah, what is wrong with me? God. Well, now I have to play it. So I'm looking forward to that one when it hits the Nintendo Switch. Shame on you for not playing every single game that comes out, Seth. It is a huge problem that I have. I don't play every game. And like, look, that, I just have to be honest right here, right now in front of everybody. I don't play it. Shameful. It's, it's my shameful secret, but it's not a secret anymore. Now I can move forward. And we move forward with this segment. Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. New trailer just came out. That's another uh, secret best game coming to Nintendo Switch. Um, I haven't played Pocky or Rocky, so I don't know. Although so I do love Rocky 4. That is the best oh, one. Of course. And it's, I have course, yeah. terrible. What it's Rocky not, Four? No, it's no. not. It has the robot. No, it's terrible that you haven't played it. And <laughs> oh, that you're, okay, re, okay. That you're okay. related. We're about to get into a fight here. Pocky and Rocky to the Rocky franchise. Pocky and Rocky, like Goemon, is one of those very, very Japanese series that got a translation that didn't do its justice. And like Pocky and Rocky, it's an action game, so there's not a lot of text. But it's Pocky is a is a, a Shinto temple maiden, like, a, like, and Rocky is a raccoon, ah, hence yes. Rocky, right? Well, actually a Tanuki, but whatever. And so it, it, the, the franchise is called Kiki Kai Kai in Japan. It got translated to Pocky and Rocky. It's, it has some of the most beautiful kind of Japanese pixel art. It's all set around the shrines. It has like the traditional, <laughs> traditional Japanese monsters from uh, Japanese folklore. Like you see the Daruma jumping around. It's got the, you know, the one-eyed umbrella, the weird Kasaga guys. Like it's really charming. It's a game where you can defend against, uh, it's a shmup. You can defend against uh, enemy bullets by like waving your, your fan or when you're Pocky, you, uh, Rocky, you're using your tail. Um, and you can attack and you can upgrade your shots. Really, really well de uh, designed shooter. And like, it's just, it was never big in the US. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like a secret. Uh, as the raccoon, obviously, the, the tanuki, you can turn into a stone statue to not be harmed. Of course. Enemies. Like, like you know, like they, they do in real life in nature. Yep. <laughs> yep. Just I've seen Planet Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here we have the raccoon badger. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's if it's not on your radar, it looks like the team is doing a really nice job with the um, with the uh, update. They they keeping the the pixel art look, but it is more. You can tell it's running on a more powerful engine. The original slowed down a lot. Yeah. Is it Pocky or Rocky who's killed by Ivan Drago? Uh, yeah, it's Pocky. That's it. Just kept saying, "Throw in the towel, 
Throw in the yeah, towel. Do it. Uh-huh. <laughs> no. Rocky going to yeah. Russia for revenge. Of course. You guys I mean, are is this my a friends. remake? Yeah. This is not a sequel, right? This is a, a remake or a uh, it's, remaster. It's it's a remake. Uh, it's a remake that uh, they, I, I mean, they're adding things and they're doing things that the old hardware just couldn't do. So you saw that already with the rotational effect on the little bamboo shoots there. Like, we, we yeah. did, we, yeah, the Super NES games couldn't. That wasn't that. mode seven scrolling? Uh, no, no. But it still looks like it, right? Like it still looks like something yeah, that this actually looks super could have come out on the cool. Super NES. And it's God, it's I never cool. played it. The entire Back game. Back in the day cool. I never played it. Mm-hmm. This looks extremely up my alley. Yeah, right? I am very interested in this. So when is this coming out? And is this a, a standalone release? This isn't like a Switch Online thing, right? No, it's a, it's coming out. I think Natsume is uh, bringing it out. Yeah, April. There in you Japan. Go. So yeah. Who knows? That looks great. So in three years from now, we'll get it here. Oh, wait, no, that's how it used to be. So yeah. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're saying it's a sequel. So it's not, they didn't just replicate all the levels and the bosses. The, a lot of the elements and enemies are familiar, but it's it's redone completely. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this looks this looks good. But that was right? talking Rocky Reshot. We've got Outer Wilds, Advanced Wars, Far Changing Ties, Triangle Strategy, Sea of Stars, Metal Slug Tactics, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge. Those are the secret best games coming to the Switch in 2022. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more. Yeah, like F-Zero. Like F-Zero is finally coming out again. (laughs) And it's going to be whichever one nobody liked. That's the one that they'll bring back. It's going to be F-Zero SX. Yes, which I don't get that reference, but I'm going to trust you, Pear. So sexy. (laughs) Well, let's talk about Kirby, who has no sex appeal whatsoever, maybe... (laughs) I'm sure somebody has it, but Kirby, somebody. Kirby You're not comes into out. Eldritch Gods, Seth. <laughs> no, not really. It's not your thing. No, I mean, and I'm not judging anyone who who's into that. You know, you be you. It's 2022. Kirby, we know now, is coming to the Nintendo Switch in his post-apocalyptic wasteland on March 25th, <laughs> and they've announced that. Oh, by the way, it's the 30th anniversary. Watch out for new cool Kirby stuff calling it right now as soon as i saw that i was like well we're getting a kirby game and watch and i bet it has tilt and tumble on it i bet they throw a little gyroscope mm. in there but yeah the we canvas curse yeah I, just all the kirby games just put them on the mm. game and watch it'll be a cute little pink one it won't go well with the red and the green of the other game and watches but that is okay we're not all about color coordination here e- the it's this is this is the the first trailer, but the the new gameplay footage um, that just came out. Um, there's some scenes that are genuinely way way better than anything we've ever seen from Hal. Like yeah. graphically, there's some there's yeah. some really pretty lighting, and you know, they granted it's like fixed perspective shots and all that, but it it you know it looks there's some really nice looking moments in here yeah. where I had to say like, wait, this is Kirby. It looks yeah. fantastic. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's that like sunset golden hour yeah. shot. Where it's and, just like, how is this a possible thing? I mean, uh, contrast that with the 13 minutes of Arceus gameplay that we got shown today, which looks, I'm going to say, not really that great. Um, and man, yeah, it's kind of a bummer, but Kirby looks so good on the other end of it. 
Yeah, and a couple of things like you you can see it's not it's not an open world game. They're like scenes that show Kirby traversing between what looked like level hubs. So yeah. you know, it's definitely more level based, probably like more like something like Super Mario Odyssey uh, than Bowser's Fury. Sure. Um, and then uh, which is totally fine, um, and it does have co op. So despite the the more roaming camera viewpoint, uh, Kirby is a co op game, just um, like the old one. Oh, interesting. I got to say, I out of all the like Nintendo franchises that have been around forever, Kirby is probably the one that never, like, despite playing most of them, I think, it just never grabbed me that much. Yeah. I mean, oh, look at I, that. I reviewed a bunch of the old, like, DS. <laughs> wow, that's and, gorgeous. Oh, that's nice. Like, the DS and 3DS ones. Like, the ones that stood out to me the most were the ones that had gimmicks, actually. It's usually the other way around. Like, I liked Canvas <laughs> Curse. Uh, I liked Epic Yarn because the art style was so unique at the time. Yeah. So it's typically like the standard platformers. There was something just so floaty about the way Kirby controlled. Like I liked the hook of like taking on enemies' abilities and things like that, but the platforming just felt weird to me. Hmm. But looking at this, this does like yeah, made me think of Odyssey. And and I don't I don't associate Kirby with 3D platforming like this looks like. So I'm super more interested in in this than most Kirby games. I think. I think what what you're describing. I think a lot of people feel uh, about Kirby that way, except for younger players, right? Like the games where the the games are much more forgiving than a Mario game, where like he can save yeah. himself from falling down from a platform. So that, but there occasionally there are games like Robobot or whatever, where you're like, okay, this is not that easy. Like it looks easier than it actually is in the end. Like it looks more more kid friendly than it actually is. So. I'm curious to see where this one falls, but I'm with you, man. Like, if you think about Kirby Air Ride or, you know, like anytime you had to use the stylus to draw things and uh, there have oh, been yeah. some really interesting Kirby concepts in the past and they they were often more engaging than the, the, the side scrollers, which were, they were competent. They just were kind of, you know, the lack of challenge made them a little bit by the numbers and boring. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah, Kirby's be mad at me, Kirby fans. <laughs> and yet Kirby's Adventure is one of the five best games on the Nintendo, I would say. It's gorgeous. Yeah, I, it's full of secrets. It's visually inventive. Yeah. There's so much to do in that game. So if anything, I think Kirby gets short shrift from a lot of Nintendo fans. Maybe because right. there have been so many more Nin uh, Kirby games over the years than, say, Zelda games. So yeah. they, they tend to kind of blur, blur together a little bit. But at the same time, the Kirby series, it was... First in Iwata's heart, he loved that series very, very much. But also, it tended to be where Nintendo got weird. It got inventive. <laughs> they had a lot of fun, you know? And yeah. I am never going to begrudge them that. The question that I have with Kirby this year is, between Pokemon Legends Arceus and uh, the new Kirby game coming out in March, how are we feeling about the first quarter of Nintendo's year on the Switch? Because I'd say that's... Two uh, above average temple releases to kick off 2022. Yeah, I think that's a, a strong start. I'm a little hesitant to say that Arceus is going to, I mean, I, I can't say with any authority, but from what I've seen, I, I'm not as excited now as I was when they first revealed it. However, I'm really, I'm yeah. more excited oh, now that I've seen the, the trailer. Well, what is it that specifically that sort of piqued your interest or raised your interest rather? I like the art style. I like the openness of the world. I like that the crafting system and that there's seemingly the systems are pretty interesting. Um, I just think that it's an original take on Pokemon. And I'm, I think that it's going to be deeper and more interesting than a lot of people ultimately suppose. And I, really, yeah, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that if it goes well, it could 
be uh, secretly one of the best games released on the Nintendo Switch this year. So yeah, I was when I first saw the concept, I was a little worried that maybe the game would be a little bit too slow paced and ponderous. Like you know, exploring a big world like that um, where nothing attacks you isn't you know. It, it, Sounded a little bit, but they do murder you. But the now, Pokemon are coming for you, pair. That's right. Now we've yeah. got evil red-eyed attack Pokemon that come after you, and they make you faint, and they steal your stuff while you're asleep. Like your wallet is gone. Oh, weird. So yeah, you gotta you gotta watch like out in this one. Spend the night at the YMCA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, no, I actually look. The Pokemon Company is not the best when it comes to you know graphics and presentation. They're they're you know. They're a little stuck in the past, um, but I think it looks reasonably good. And I, uh, the gameplay elements I saw in the trailer look really fun. There's uh, there's some cool stuff there. We'll see. Um, we'll see how repetitive it gets and how good the lore is and, and ties it to the, the future. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested in it. I just am not as interested as in it as I was. Whereas Kirby is the opposite. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And then you know the new Kirby stuff we've seen. I'm like, well. Yeah, sign me up. I want this Kirby in my life. And it's mm-hmm. funny, uh, Kirby's Epic Yarn came out at like the perfect time when Connor was a little kid, and you could never die in Kirby's mm-hmm. Epic yep. Yarn. And the music was just this like real cool, like mellow jazz, and it became his favorite game. And now he's you know he's a senior in high school, and Kirby is his favorite Nintendo character. He has Kirby socks. He has a Kirby beanie. He just he loves, he loves Kirby. Yeah, it's awesome. So. Very much looking forward to to Kirby coming out March 25th and yep. celebrating the 30th anniversary of Kirby and that Kirby game watch. I'm already going to tell Dan, the other Dan, <laughs> reviews Dan, that I want to review it. Because, Stapleton. Yeah, Dan yep. Stapleton. <laughs> yeah. Not the other Dan, Dan Parkhurst. Uh, sorry. There's a so lot, many lot Dans. of Dan's out there. Yeah. All good people. It's a good, good Too many Dan's. <laughs> Probably some bad Dan's. <laughs> Please. It's got to be right. If there's a bad Dan, let us know in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hashtag bad Dan. Uh, bad Dan's. Sorry, that's my Indiana Jones. Oh. All right, let's hit some quick news topics. Card Fighters Clash, now on Switch. Uh, Eurogamer calls it the Neo Geo Pocket's best game. I didn't have a Neo Geo Pocket. I didn't know anybody who had a Neo Geo Pocket until I started following Jeremy Parrish. I didn't even know that the Neo Geo Pocket existed, but apparently this is the best game. Kat, you put this in the news roundup. Would you please tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about Oh, Neo you're putting Pocket's me on the spot game. right here. Well, I think it was just interesting because there's a lot of hype in the retro scenes uh, when it comes to uh, this particular game. And I think it came out a little earlier than people were expecting with this one. So mm-hmm. it was going, it was flying under the radar a little bit, but it's worth highlighting because so many people always praise it when they're talking about the Neo Geo Pocket Color. And honestly, it looks really cute. It does. It's pretty, yeah, I, I own a Neo Geo Pocket and a Neo Geo Pocket Color. And uh, I played many of the original SNK games that they released for it, except for Kart Fighters Clash. Oh, interesting. That's like the one I remember Craig Harris loving it. He reviewed it for and gave it a nine back in the days. And I just wasn't into the cards theme of it. Mm. Um, and I played, uh, you know, SNK's Fighters on the platform. But uh, he, he, swore, he swore by it. He called it one of the best games on the platform, too. Wow. Well, I know that uh, they don't. They haven't released it yet, but there will be an analog pocket uh, Neo Geo pocket adapter. 
So mm-hmm. if you want to go spend probably $800 for the cart or whatever it is now on eBay, because everything's I'm crazy. looking forward to the PC Engine one, honestly. I, I, I know. It. Yeah. yeah. That also some really expensive games for that system, but we could talk about Analog Pocket. We could do a whole podcast about that, but this is the news rundown. Bidoof video hits YouTube. We all love Bidoof. We love saying it the wrong way. Bidoof or Bidoof, however you want to say it. He's a he's like he looks like a hamster, but he's not. He's a beaver. That's a rat, and he, you find him early on in every in the new Pokemon games, and then eventually you abandon him. But this is a, an adorable little video. It's just like an eight minute uh, CGI video, right? Yeah. yeah, and but look at the simple art style. Come on, Game Freak. This is possible on Switch in real time. Right. Just get with it. Seriously, this is yeah. what it should look like, right? This Are we doing what? graphics discourse on an eight-minute YouTube video? Yes. <laughs> what is this promoting? Is this for Arceus? Is this, They're leaning into the meme because Beedoof was a meme 15 years ago. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> Beedoof is running uh, for president. Finger yeah. on the pulse. It's incredible, yeah. He's got a 20-year oh run. That's Nobody terrifying. Can. And then Beedoof died at the end. Yeah, yep. that's it. It's, <laughs> the rest is just eight minutes of his breathless body laying on. It's pretty horrible, but... Uh, Speaking of Pokemon, some LAPD officers were fired for catching Pokemon instead of criminals. Apparently, they were uh, out there with Pokemon Go while crime was happening all around them. And they're like, oh, <laughs> there's a, a, a shiny uh, Pikachu over there. Let's go over there. Away it was from a crime. Snorlax, actually. Oh, oh A wow. fairly common Pokemon, but they just had to go catch it. Oh, Wait. Man. Wow. All right. Hey. This was, this was a while back, right? It's just... God, yeah, th- they're not it's just, still playing it. Yeah, well, it just ended up uh, hitting the news because I That's think right. Vice went through police reports and were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you go through IGN reports, you'll find that Andrew Goldfarb fell off the pier in San Francisco trying to catch one. So, Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? But what's scene. amazing about it? Didn't slow him down. He still has everyone. He's still playing it. Yeah. Lovely. He, photos from underwater. Pokemon. <laughs> he was damaged, but he lived. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it he only fainted. made him stronger, actually. And we already spoke on the new Arceus trailer, uh, which is 13 minutes. Shows off the gameplay. Uh, people are saying they don't like the look of it. I am one of them. I thought that graphically it looked a little bit... It's- Game Freak, Rock. there. You know, you know what to, you know what you're gonna get. But I did think there were lots of elements in that trailer that showed things that I didn't expect that would be in the game. So that that's I'm with Cat. I'm actually more excited for it than I was before. Okay, well, Cat. It's funny that he should mention you because it's Cat Take time, and I'm still not good at segment uh, segways. So <laughs> I'm not good at segment. Look, I'm not good at a lot of things. <laughs> There's not time for that because we have to do a cat take right now. This is a little adjacent to okay. Nintendo, but there was some discourse recently around Dying Light 2 where the developers initially were like going 500 hours of gameplay and people were like, that's too much, man. Too many and they were like, actually more like 80 hours. <laughs> and then they were like, actually maybe more like 30. And this kind of spurred on a lot of discourse about whether actually, do we need a 500-hour game? Do we want... Uh, is it better if a game were actually like 10 or 12 hours and that kind of thing? And I think that... I, I've always kind of been on the... I like a good 15 to 20-hour game that's really tight, really well-paced. But if anything, I think that the pendulum has swung a little too far the other direction. I I have come here to praise 
really long, really in-depth games that I can play for years and years and years. I'm still playing Witcher 3, a game that I've wow. put like 200 hours into. There's so much to do and so much to find and so much of it is really interesting. Here's the difference between a game like Witcher 3 and then a game like, I don't know, uh, I'm trying your typical Assassin's Creed Valhalla game, for example. Okay. It has actual interesting content. It's not just there to waste your time or be there to <laughs> fill in the gaps. And so if I feel like I'm constantly discovering interesting new things or I have things to do, then I'm more than happy to put like 500 hours into a game. It's these rich, wonderful experiences that really make me love games. It's just that too many games just put in so much filler because they have to hit some kind of artificial level to make people think, oh, this is worth a $60 price tag. So what I'm saying is it's not necessarily about the length. It's about the quality of the content. And if you're stretching yourself too far, I think that's a warning flag. That's my cat take for this week. Nice. That's one of the things I appreciated about that Miles Morales game mm. is that, especially in the open world genre, I think, you know, GTA kind of set that bar of like, look at all this stuff you can do. And like every open world game since then is like, look at all this stuff you can do, even if it's not great, as Kat said with some of them. And Miles Morales, as much as I liked that first Spider-Man game, it was really good. Miles Morales was such a like, hey, look, it's a big open world AAA game, but, you know, you can beat in, what was it, 15, 20 hours yeah. at most, something like that, mm -hmm. maybe less. Uh, I really did appreciate that because I love the genre, but I don't always, I'm not always in the mood to put like 100 hours into something. I like yeah. it when it's, uh, what's the word, optional, where you have a really tight and interesting story. But if you want to go off the beaten path and find lots of interesting stuff, it's all over there. Go go have fun. Go mm -hmm. learn about the lore. That I, th I think that's it. And it, honestly, it, it depends on your personality, how you react to open world games and how they're populated, right? Like Cyberpunk, I liked the core quests and everything, but I quickly found that the side missions were just so repetitive that it just felt like I was doing chores. And my personality is like, I, I always get distracted by all the things you can do in a game. Like I wanna, okay, I wanna, I want to check that off. I want to do that. Oh, there's a there's a treasure chest. I know it's going to have crap in it, but I'll still <laughs> I still have to do it, right? And I think in some games like like you know in Assassin's Creed, there's this angle of um, cyber tourism. Like you're in a world that no longer exists and in a foreign country. And maybe you've been to Italy and you've seen the churches before. You go like, oh my god, I can climb it. Um, so I I I love short type games. But I also love it when it's just the world is so big that people can spend hundreds of hours in, in it and get everybody gets something different out of them. And then super selfishly, those are the games that perform best on IGN, right? Yeah. A Breath of the Wild, Skyrim, mm -hmm. and The Witcher 3, they're still some of our most trafficked games on IGN years after, which means there are people who are, they, they keep playing them for years and going back and finding right. something in them. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like, a, it's just that there are a lot of bad open world games out there. <laughs> there are, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. The, the and really think, good ones are really satisfying. It's almost like ASMR in video game form where you're just yeah. riding across this gorgeous world. And what's this over here? I'm going to go collect some of this. I'm going to go meet these people. Oh, that's an interesting bit of, uh, of gameplay that just turned into storytelling. That's really neat. But so many video, so many open worlds are just overstuffed with content. And it's not there for any particular purpose outside of being content. Right. And this is Japanese games and Western games alike, yep. where they'll say, go do this side quest, go get five things. This is why I'm struggling so much with getting into Final Fantasy fourteen. It's because mm. A Realm Reborn is so much of that. It's like, get mm. five of the thing. Don't, I, 
when I play a game where it says, go get the five of the thing and it's a mandatory quest, I check out immediately. I can't do it. <laughs> I th- I th- I, and I think there are two games that are kind of the shining examples of getting it right. One is Breath of the Wild, where yeah. every encounter is different because of the the systems that they've built, right? Like you can you can attack the same the same bokoblins five times, and each time things go slightly different, and you want to do them differently. Take their weapons, set something on fire, throw a bomb from far away, roll a boulder, right? Like all these things make that open world just so infinitely replayable. And then the other one is The Witcher, where The Witcher Three, where they had the guts to make the best quests the side quests. Like the story, the main story is fine, but like once you pursue a side quest that is optional, you realize that they're like they're like short stories in a great book. And that makes you want to discover them. Whereas like in a lot of open world games, the side quests are just simple fetch quests or go free a camp. And like I really appreciate that and just the courage to say, um, something amazingly written could be optional and most players will not see it. Yeah, oh. yeah. I think the main offender for the bad version. I think I think it's telling the cat's head went straight to uh, Assassin's Creed because Ubisoft. You know, they get a lot of crap for like their open world stuff, and there's a reason for it between the Assassin's Creeds and the Far Cries and stuff. I think they are the main offender of the like climb a thing, see more of the map, go do five of these things. You know, it's like yeah. it got very boring very quick, and and they are a main offender there. Go yeah. find this feather. There's a hundred and eighty of them, and they blow they away when you get near them. <laughs> no, 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 I. Those are my least favorite. Partially things. gelatinated video game like content. <laughs> the, the fly, the flying away, no cheats and stuff are the worst. They got rid of them for a while yeah. and they're back now, and they're just Ugh. not fun, right? No, I, do, I just I want to listen to some. Sea I do shams. like. I do like the Assassin's Creed games, and I, I loved. I really enjoyed the last one too. But it is if you are if you have the mentality of needing to do everything, it's it can be torturous, right? Because yeah. there's so many side things that are just not fun to do. We didn't yeah. even mention Assassin's Creed 2 coming to the Nintendo Switch during the, oh, the quick right. news hits with the Ezio collection. Mm-hmm. And Assassin's Creed 2 and its uh, sort of sequels are generally considered to be some of the best in the series. Yep. And I'm not going to entirely disagree. It was just some of the later games, especially Valhalla, that just got so bloated to the point where it's like, this is 120 hours? Why? This yeah. doesn't have to be 120 hours. <laughs> I'm still playing the DLC. I keep on putting it off because, yeah, it, it it does feel a little bit like a chore. I still liked it, but my favorite was always Black Flag because pirates. Yeah, that's just, the best one. Everything is everything is better with pirates. Yep. Odyssey was great too. Odyssey was was pretty all right. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it didn't have sea shanties, like I said. <laughs> everything is better with pirates. I, I would like to put that to the test. Is uh, everything actually better with pirates? Look at that. Oh wait, that's not a pirate. Well, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Cat, for the cat take. That was another good one. They're always incredible. I want to talk now. Basically, this is just to Dan. Dan, we know that wrestling is a huge part of your life. And I'm yes. curious to know your all-time favorite wrestling games and then your all-time favorite wrestler. Oh, boy. Um, well, one's easy. Uh, I don't think it's a controversial take that I think No Mercy for the 64 is the best one. Like all those Aki games, you know, from the ones that came out here to like virtual pro wrestling and stuff in Japan only, uh, they were great, but no mercy was the one that had all the modes, uh, you know, the customization, Uh. story modes, match types, things like that. The roster was incredible at the time. Uh, no mercy is definitely my favorite of all time. Other highlights like SmackDown series was pretty solid. Um, here comes the pain is probably my favorite there. Uh, for going more recent, I think, uh, 
uh, 13 and 2K14. Uh, their story modes with like the Attitude Era mode and the WrestleMania mode were a lot of fun from a historical perspective. Uh, I think the thing that I don't know, like my big blind spot with wrestling games is Fire Pro. Because yeah. I know people, uh, you know, wrestling fans I've heard for my whole life basically about how great Fire Pro was. And uh, I really haven't played a lot of them. I think something about like the isometric, like when I would see screenshots and things, the the isometric nature of it just didn't seem like it would feel right. But I never really put the time into uh to, to give him a shot. I, I remember uh, I was in Japan once and I interviewed Suda51. I didn't realize that he had written some of the, uh, like, or at least one of the, the Fire Pro stories <laughs> and that, that those career modes went a little deep into some stuff that you wouldn't expect from a wrestling game. And it sounds like they're awesome. I'm sure if I would have given them the time, I, I would have liked it. But uh, yeah, I just want to make sure I'm mentioning that because I know people have right. very strong feelings about that. But, um, you know, when I first got into wrestling, uh, the, it was Rumble, Royal Rumble and Raw for the Genesis and Super were the ones I played a lot of. I bought a Sega CD just for Rage in the Cage. Wow. That was the only game I ever bought for a Sega CD because you could watch, <laughs> like, crappy compressed videos of the finishers. You know, this is pre-internet, so it's like, I can just see Diesel do the jackknife powerbomb any time. <laughs> and uh, it was so novel at the time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the the short version though is No Mercy. No Mercy is the is the best wrestling game of all time. Absolutely. Um, favorite wrestler? Boy, that's such a so hard, hmm. right? It is because it's like you know wrestling is such a there are so many different things that make a great wrestler. There's like an, an incredible uh, technical wrestler, then there's some that are just incredible on the mic. They're the ones that did both. Um, if I had to point to one that throughout my life uh, I, I got the most entertainment from. Uh, probably Steve Austin. And again, this nice. is not a controversial pick. He's like the biggest name in the in the industry. You know, yeah. he took the industry to unseen heights. Uh, and but um, God, I look back at those segments and everything and not everything is aged gracefully from that era. <laughs> but man, Austin was just funny as hell. And whether yeah. he needed to be like super duper intense and, and really sell you on a match to, to get you to, to buy a pay-per-view or uh, he, if he wanted to be super hilarious and weird, you know, like he was really good at that, too. So, uh yeah, I, I would have to point to to Austin as my my favorite all around ever. Yeah, I mean he's an absolute legend. I remember in 1998, uh, they were filming an episode I think Raw or SmackDown in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and I was supposed to go but I didn't. But Stone Cold Steve Austin was standing on the bridge uh, over the Piscataqua River, which is the border between Maine and New Hampshire, and he's got the W uh, the championship belt, and I don't remember the 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 why of how it happened, but he threw it over into the Piscataqua river. And I've always thought, man, should I just like go drag the Piscataqua <laughs> river? Or was there somebody, oh, like, somebody has, somebody yeah. definitely has. Man. Was that when uh, him and rock were, were going? Oh yeah. They the were title? beefing. That was, nice. yep, yep. <laughs> that, was that was a That's good right. time. Yep. And then then we warned, we warned Seth, Kat and I warned Seth that in wrestling talk, we wouldn't be able to contribute that much. Um, so don't don't mistake our our silence for disinterest. <laughs> but I do fondly remember my time in the the former Imagine Media office, uh, IGN office, uh, playing WCD, uh, WCW Nitro, and then later we played No Mercy. Like th those games were huge, and they actually cost us a lot of work hours. Like people yeah. kept on playing four player on those games and and just not stopping in the office. So I remember in high school, I'd be going to IGN64.com because you, you guys would have like, hey, we're going to reveal like today we're revealing that Kane is in the game. And I just like <laughs> wait there and hit F5 until I find out who the new like, yeah, man, I was right there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's right. A wrestler and roster reveals used to be this giant thing. Like people really great for you guys. showed up for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, there was and a... then the developer said, we're going to do it ourselves. 
There was a WrestleMania game or a WWE game some years ago that I played somewhat randomly. And it had an entire tribute to 25 years or however many years there have been of of WrestleMania at this point. They were like, go and go and recreate the big scene between uh, Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Oh, my God. WrestleMania three. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like going. And I'm not a wrestling fan, but I am a sports fan. And I was like going, wow, I wish sports games would do this. That where would be awesome. It did such a good job of incorporating old clips and the the feeling of actually being during that event with the nostalgia and everything. And I was yeah. like, oh, what a great idea. Like, I'm not even a wrestling fan. And this is making me nostalgic for this particularly particular era. Well done. And, and that's why I loved those so much, especially like 13's Attitude Era mode, is because I was, you know, a teenager obsessed with that stuff back then. And to be able to play through those moments and get those really slickly produced video packages and everything, it was like, as a wrestling history nerd, it was like perfect for me. Uh, we need more wrestling history. I'm getting like all pumped up now <laughs> thinking about like all the all the drop kicks I did to my friends and how many injuries we had because we would play. Like, I'm sure they looked beautiful. Even in, I'm sure you looked like Randy Orton up oh, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting some height on those drop kicks. Even when I was in uh, like in the Air Force in 98 in tech school, like we would play those N64 wrestling games and then we would go into the day room and we had like a wrestling league. And I was in the MWO, the Macy World Order, which I realized was, was WCW, original, original. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that, we're going to move on because <laughs> Kat and Pear have nothing to add to this conversation. And I will just get like way too excited thinking about it. But anyway, let's real quickly, uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. I, after last week's show, I decided to download Into the Breach, hoping it was on sale. It wasn't. I bought it anyway. I said I didn't like strategy games. Well, Into the Breach, I am way into that game. I probably would have stayed up all uh last night playing it if i didn't have interdiscipline so yeah into the breach i know it's like three years late but uh-huh. ftl probably one of my probably the most played game of all that i've ever played is ftl wow. and so to yeah to get this and have the same sort of feel but different and like i love the graphics i love the yeah i'm gonna be playing this game for a lot so it's awesome it's so it's so simple, right? And yeah. and just the the different the different moves you can pull off. Like in the video video footage, you showed the push move and yeah. how pivotal that is to the strategy in this game to get rid of enemies. It yeah, it's just a really well designed game, and then it's just so tightly designed around those kind of small battles and you know and and that kind of rogue roguelite element to it. Yep. Um, yeah, it's it's just. Fantastic. It's a, it's, it's a fun game. to I, unlock new units and try them out because the three different units will all have different chemistry and completely affect oh. how you approach your strategy with each map. So I know that. It's, and that makes it very replayable. And then it's also pretty forgiving because you'll get <laughs> to a point where you'll die but you can save one of your units and br- keep bringing them back or like one of your units, one of your pilots. I think that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And so oh. it doesn't, it, it doesn't feel as punishing as FTL FTL's a game that I really enjoyed, but I was never actually able to beat. Cause I would always get to like the third phase of the, Rebel I beat it once. Capital yeah. Ship. And I've played yeah. at least a thousand hours and I beat it once. Yeah. Well, Into the Breach to me, I love because it feels like a logic puzzle because like you yeah. can't get screwed over in that game. If you stop and look at that long enough, it tells you if I do this, 
that unit is going to go there. You know, between these rounds, these are the things that are, that are going to happen. It tells you move for move what's going to happen. And sometimes it's very hard to figure out how to do things in what order to make sure that that building doesn't get attacked or you don't lose this unit or whatever. But nothing's ever a surprise. Like, you know what's coming next. And uh, yeah, it, it feels more like a puzzle game than than like, it's certainly not a real-time strategy game. But uh, I don't know. I, I just, I think I took to that more than even like a Fire Emblem or an Advance Wars because I did feel in the latter that sometimes I would get screwed over just like, <laughs> Oh, you know, a dice roll went the wrong way or something like this. Whereas into the breach, you know exactly how much damage you're doing, you know? Yeah. I, I love it when I can see that I screwed myself. I'm like, well, yep. nothing I can do. I should have thought this yep. one through, but yeah, that's an awesome game pair. Uh, would you surprise us with what you've been playing? <laughs> uh, well, Forza, uh, no, um, uh, Picross seven came out and Ooh. despite and you started it. Okay. I, I, you know, like my home screen is really funny because um, I, I had to go back and load my saves from my other switches because having the older games uh, here, if you if you see me uh, uh, holding up my switch, loading the older games uh, unlocks puzzles in the new ones as well. You get those super oversized ones where old people like me have to get their reading glasses to see the teeny <laughs> tiny numbers because there's still no zoom built in. Uh, no, it's it's exactly the same. Picross S7 is exactly the same as 6, which means it's a good game. It, it's, uh, the, the interface is still the best for a puzzle for, uh, for um, a Picross game like this. And it brings back one thing from the DS age, and that's the stylus usage. Now, oh. it works really well. Stylus works awesome. But I will say that the format of the Switch, it's much bigger. So it's not the same as the DS where the stylus was built into how you use that system. Right. It was comfortable and it was a small uh, a small uh, handheld in your hand. It's, you know, the Switch is very big. But um, stylus is fast. You can, like, you know, fill in lines really, really quickly if you have one of these optional Devices. Of course. Um, yeah, and like the Switch doesn't have it. I have it. the it's one not... I got from uh, GameStop go. as a promotion for uh, Pokemon the, X these, and Y. Was it Styli? Styluses? Whatever. The, the Switch styluses, there's no technology inside, so you can no. use any any styluses for it. You just like don't uh, Steve Jobs said, we have 10 styluses right here in his finger. That's right. Actually made, it was a monstrous hand made of styluses. <laughs> Exactly, he but yeah, this is. Um, have that. You're seeing uh, right now. You're seeing a puzzle that would. That is take stressing me out. Hours, like seventy-five hundred hours to do. Yeah, no, that's too many. Cat, uh, what have you been? What have you been playing? Picross Seven. Decidingly, decidedly, Nintendo this week. Oh, I've been playing Bloodborne for my other podcast, and oh. I have been really enjoying it because this is partly to get ready for. Elden Ring, and mm -hmm. I never got that far into Bloodborne. And I'm still not that far, ultimately, but I'm up to the Blood-Starved Beast, who kind of kicked my butt last night while I was trying to finish him off. So I am going to probably have to call in some friends to give me a hand with it. But wow, that game is gorgeous. It still really holds up. The I, I love how much they refine the combat from the Dark Souls games. There's so many secrets to find, and I'm constantly impressed by the intricacy of the level design. It's a game where you can feel really lost, but never hopelessly so. Mm. So, and there's just so many vibes to the atmosphere and everything. I, I think that people, whenever the Souls games come out, people just automatically start talking about difficulty, but I think the difficulty mm -hmm. question is a little overstated with a game like Bloodborne. Because you can come up with some pretty broken builds. If you're willing to do some grinding, you'll be fine. It's like that classic JRPG 
kind of question, but I, yeah, it's been nice to go. I, I wasn't expected to be as hooked as I ended up being oh, awesome. on Bloodborne. It's a sad, it's sad that it's never going to come to the switch because that's def, that's definitely a PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, no, that's, that's never they did a good job of bringing the series over with the Dark Souls remastered games. Well, as good as uh, a job sure. as you could probably expect. So, right, right. <laughs> well, now, you, now I'm going to have to give it another shot. But Dan, you've been playing anything that you can uh... I have. Um, unfortunately, the main thing I've been playing lately is embargoed until next week. Uh... We'll be talking about that a lot, but it's uh, got a lot to Put say. Put that one that. on your bingo card. Uh... Somebody's talking about a game they can't talk about. Yep, yep, but uh, yeah. I want to. Um, not as bad as when I was playing Breath of the Wild before it came out, and it was like, did, I don't know if anybody on here was playing that beforehand, but like, I just wanted to scream about that game for two weeks, and I had to wait for that embargo and like oh, messaging other reviewers and be like, hey, wait, th- this might be the best game of all time, right? Like, I'm not crazy here. Like, yeah, um, and it was one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out um, one thing that is not embargoed. I've been playing a lot of Sea Man. So Sea Man, all right, Sea Man. How did you get into Sea Man again? I played I, I, back in the day. I had it and I was fascinated by it. Uh, and then I'm just getting into like retro collecting. Like I, I have a house now. So for the first time in my adult life, I have space. So if you're watching the video, you can see behind me. I'm like, I've got this studio where I'm just like turning into this retro haven, getting CRTs and original hardware and all this stuff. So I got a Dreamcast uh, and, and uh, someone sent me a copy of Seaman with the microphone and everything. Oh, and I was like, nice. well, hell, I don't remember what this game is like. And no one talks about it anymore because it's not like people emulate Seaman. You need the microphone. And I've been streaming it. Uh, I've been checking it every day <laughs> since before the new year. And oh man, that game! I put some clips up on my Twitter, and uh, it is fascinating and like weirdly prescient <laughs> at times, like talking about the internet and things like that, and the way it was going to change like human nature and things. It, it's just been so fun to check in every day for like a half hour and to see what what weird crap's going to happen with that Sea Man. And uh, um, where can people watch you play through Sea Man and also Smashy Bat? Ah, yes, that is a twitch.tv slash Dan Reichert, R-Y-C-K-E-R-T. Uh, yeah, I do I do a lot of a lot of Nintendo stuff for sure. In fact, I was going to say something I will be playing soon. I don't know if it's a week, a month from now. Uh, Star Fox Adventures. Oh. I, I love Star Fox Super Nintendo. I mean, that blew my mind as it right. did a lot of people back then. Star Fox 64, I think, is easily the best one. And then I played or reviewed all the ones after that, except for Adventures. And mm. I think it's because I always just wanted that ship combat. I wanted more of 64 and like between Assault and Command and all those ones. <laughs> you never really got that actual like they made that Wii U one, but it had the weird gamepad gimmick and everything yeah, mm-hmm. where that didn't really work. And so I never even tried Adventures, I don't think. So huh. now that I've got I've got a GameCube here, I got I just got well. a wave bird. I want to sit back. I'm I'm looking into getting a beanbag chair. I want this to be the appropriate, <laughs> you know, 2003 or whatever experience. Well, um, I don't expect much. I don't expect it to be great. Well, Dan, I, I need the, to... the flying sequences will truly dazzle you in this game. Uh, do they, I sense sarcasm here? Yes, they're literally okay. just there to pretend you're going from one place to the next <laughs> and there's like nothing to them. And this game has all the worst traits of like early adventure games where it tells you things that you don't need to know over and over and then has great like voice acting on top of that. Uchu Kuchu or Star Fox. It's really, oh boy. it has really cool elements and obviously Rare was really good with graphics and Mm-hmm. And, you know, replicated some really neat Zelda elements, too. But, man, is that game rough now when you go back. I, Have fun. It's but it gave us great. crystal. That is true. Right. Give us the greatest foxy yeah. crystal. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's purely from a historical standpoint. Like there are so few first party Nintendo games I haven't really played, especially in a series I like like this. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm even going back and playing like uh, for Frog, the Bell Tolls and, and you know, Ooh. first party stuff that never came here from yeah. Nintendo. So as I'm on this historical kick, I figure I have to knock that uh, Star Fox off the list. Yeah, I'd awesome. be really curious to actually replay it today. Like I, I, I played it a couple of years ago a little bit and it's just so convoluted. Well, you could just watch great. You could just watch Dan <laughs> yeah, play it and then you don't right. have to worry about it. Anymore. And cheer. But, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this week's NBC, even though I would love to just talk about Nintendo for eight hours straight, but you can follow us on Twitter at NVC podcast. You can submit your questions for the question block when we, when we have time for them. I apologize to everyone who, uh, submitted a question uh, on the NVC Facebook group. I want to thank our guest, Dan Reichert. One more time, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Dan Reichert. Also, uh, every two weeks, I do a video game podcast with Mike Mahardy and Mary Kish called the Fire Escape Cast. We are on all the uh, podcast platforms there. And also a movie podcast called Panning the Stream. So uh, yeah, podcast, Twitch, you know, the usual business, Twitter, all that stuff. The usual, right Mm -hmm. on. I also want to thank Kate on the ones and twos, Logan behind the scenes. Most of all, I want to thank you for hanging out with us. And please remember, NBC is the only place where you can get the thing. Get the thing. Get the thing.